This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey everyone, welcome again to an edition of the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. I'm joined by Mr. Eric Camacho and Ian Pavelko. How are you guys doing? Hello. I'm doing very fine. How is everyone out there? Very well. Thank you very much. And we have an extra guest tonight. We have Anise Sharifi. She was an EV blogger. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Um, listen, tonight's going to be a freeform jazz excursion because we're not going to be talking too much about Tesla tonight necessarily directly because we've been talking for some time now about the Porsche Taycan. So tonight we're actually going to tackle this subject because um, at the beginning of this month in September, Anise was actually uh, very fortunate to have attended the global launch in Niagara Falls, and it was a simulcast thing in a couple other countries at the same time. So she got a chance to um, spend some time with the cars, sit in it. We got some specs here we'll talk about. But the main issue that really caught a lot of our attention, of course, is the fact that the Twitter community, the online community, just went crazy over this, and they kept comparing it to Tesla all the time. And then you got the Tesla people who started hating on it, either intentionally or just having fun. And I think for most of us in the show, and then we talked about it last week, they kind of it, it rubbed us the wrong way. And let's face it, <laughs> we need more electric vehicles on the market. And I think that the fact that Porsche is taking the bull by the horns here and doing a proper sports car. A lot of people like to compare the Model S to this thing, but the Model S is not a sports car. It just happens to be a family car that can do sports car-like things. But the Porsche is really a sports car. It has real thoroughbred DNA in it. There are some things, if you compare it to a Model S, there are some things we'll talk about here spec-wise that don't quite measure up, but that's not the point. So anyways, I just want to have a roundtable discussion tonight. We don't know how long this will go. But I want everybody's thoughts on it. And maybe we'll start with Anise because you were there first. I was fortunate. I actually got to see the car in person yesterday at a separate event. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. But her her impressions are more important because she had a chance. And she actually wrote something on her website at uh, I am Anise. Uh, by the way, uh, links to uh, everything we're going to be talking about tonight will be in the podcast show and in the description so you can check it out. So Anise... Okay. What are your thoughts on the take? And I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay, thanks. And I'm really glad that you actually opened the conversation on this because I've definitely noticed some of the hate out there too, and it's definitely not cool. So I, I think we're all we all know that right now the automotive is in like huge transition. There's lots going on, and part of that is that we're moving towards EV. And um, there's already so much negative talk out there. Um, and I find it really odd when EV owners and EV enthusiasts get in there and start bashing brands that are actually putting out EV models. Um, you know, even like, at the beginning, we kept saying like, oh, we need more, we need more options. We need more models, you know, um, you know, uh, models like the Bolt or their Leaf were basic oh we need more we need more we need more options so then you've got you know brands like jaguar coming out with the ipace and audi doing the e-tron and it's still not good enough people were still bashing it oh it's not it's not this it's always compared to tesla and that's great i understand like tesla set the standard really high and i 
I, I get it. I love my Tesla. There's, there, there's no doubt about it. Like whatever Elon's doing, awesome. He gets all the credit. I get it. But there has to be like, it can't just be all run by one manufacturer, by one brand. We need EVs on the road and we can't just get everyone to drive EV Teslas. That's just not going to happen. So um, there's... Yeah, there's there's a lot of room um, for manufacturers to be producing uh, proper EVs, and that's exactly what Porsche Porsche did here. And they didn't just like do like a half-ass job. It's not like you know Mercedes doing like a smart car, where just like they're just kind of like fulfilling some sort of like um, emissions quota that they have to redo. This is like a real, real nice design. They're putting so much money into this. They're really serious. They mentioned it several times by twenty by twenty twenty two. They're going to be spending like 6 billion euros on like expanding their um, factory EV, um, sorry, their battery technology and infrastructure and all these extra things. Like they're really serious about all this. And yet it's still not good enough. You've got Tesla people <laughs> saying, nope, not good enough. You're not doing this and it's still do this and still do that. Like we can't keep doing this because it's just, it's not helping um, the EV movement. I could go on, but I want <laughs> And I, and oh, I, I wish, want you to, I but I want some other... And, yeah. and 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 we will permit you to, but okay. I um so having said what she said, maybe one of you two guys want to jump in and add your two cents and we'll just kinda of do round robin and just keep going down the rabbit hole. Ian, you wanna go first? Sure. All right, Ian, go for it. What's she said? <laughs> Come on. It's All right. Too easy. No, honestly, uh, but no, that was a very comprehensive overview of of what's wrong with this. Um but maybe what I'm going to try and do is maybe get inside the mind of the, of the various factions at work here. And there's there's two things I wanted to talk about tonight. If we get a chance to to because we can we can bring this out to a larger. Right now we're we're looking at uh, a very specific case of the Tesla people hating on the Taycan. But I think we can apply it to virtually anything. I mean, you know, any other EV that's come out in the last couple of years, we've seen a similar phenomenon. This is just a lot more. Um, it's really vivid because of there's two things that are happening. This is the first really serious one where a lot of the media is like, well, here we go. Here's a first, here's a serious challenger to Tesla. Of course, there's the Tesla killer thing. Let's not even oh. go down that road. Okay. And I mean, that's what gets us all wound up in the first place, isn't it? But uh, yes, big the, titles. the Taycan is, is one of the first cars that comes out that really is a serious effort on, on, on the level, we'll call it, as I think I, I say what we put it, uh, of, of a Tesla. So that's really got people whipped up into a frenzy. And yet, when you break it down, I'm not seeing it. They are two different cars for two different types of owners. Mm -hmm. And that's on two different even levels. I mean, functionally, I'm sorry, they are very different cars. They could potentially appeal to the same customer. If you're somebody who's, you know, walking in off the street and you're not really knowledgeable on either and you're, you're new to EVs and you know you want an EV and you want a luxurious EV and you know it's kind of like well it's got to have four doors it's got to be able to seat four or five people and you know it's got to it's got to be prestigious luxurious whatever else yeah both cars would sort of fit that description but that's about where they that's the commonality and it's at that point that's where they diverge the Porsche is definitely much more a sports car it's a four-door sports car no question but it is designed to be a car that goes on the track that you can do anything you could do normally with a 911 uh, or Panamera or or anything from the family. And it's designed to replicate the Porsche experience as absolutely closely as you can get in an EV. And that includes a lot of things that drives the Tesla community crazy, like having 16 different screens in the car and, you know, the little egg timer chronograph thing, you know, and <laughs> the whole the rest of it. 
That's what Porsche customers want. Want Tesla yeah. people, get over it. It's not your car. If you don't like all this stuff, it's because it's not designed for you. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, why are you losing your minds over this? It's like, oh, could you see all the screens and there's all these buttons and there's all these. How yes, quickly? Because that's what those customers like. I was going to say, how quickly we've become habituated to the simpleness of the Teslas. Yes. And anything right. with buttons on it just turns us off completely. But you have the reverse sides. You get a lot of people that look at the Tesla and go, I don't look at it like that. It looks like it was made in Ikea in the 1950s. Right. You know what right. I mean? It, so exactly. it's a different philosophy completely. And I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Does the car need four screens that show you the same time? Not necessarily, but that's their thing. And I have to say, even though I didn't get a chance to sit in the Taken, I got a chance to see the interior. It looks very high quality. And yeah. of course it is. It's, it's a Porsche. Porsche. It's, it's, it's They're German manufacturers. It's a Porsche, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a beautiful car. It. I would, I would. if I had the money, I would get one. It's a beautiful car. Sure, it's, it's, it's a complete... Sorry, yes. go ahead, Anna. No, I'm sorry. What I was going to say is like, you know, at, at the beginning when Tesla started to get some momentum and, um, you know, there was a lot of people hating on Tesla and we all know what that We're felt still like. still hating on Tesla. Yeah, sure. But, you know... I just feel like we should be kind of treating this conversation a little bit differently. Like, why can't we just be the bigger people and say, hey, that's cool. That's a really exactly nice car. I really like my Tesla, too. Cool. You enjoy your car. I'll enjoy my car over here. But they're both EVs. Like, can't we just be on the same EV team? But you you just stole the key words, the key phrase that I wanted to sort of pull tonight. And we have to be the bigger people because we are. Tesla is undisputably mm -hmm. the best manufacturer of EVs the world has ever seen. There's nothing like them. I'm sorry. I mean, I will go as far as to say I have huge respect for the Taycan, but don't tell me that it has the same overall capabilities as, as a Model S long range. Certainly not in the real world of EV usability. It's designed for a different purpose. Not and it's yet. a singular car. Not yet. It will evolve. And mm -hmm. I hope it evolves. Yes. And I, I hope it brings up its game. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really hoping for that. But it, you know, just the supercharging network alone. And I know Electrify America and Electrify Canada are coming along. That's great. That's all still vaporware. Until that day comes, Tesla rules. Mm -hmm. And for that very reason, we shouldn't be anywhere near as insecure as so many of us seem to be. We're the big yeah. dog. We should be able to sit in the corner of the kennel and go, that's nice. The Why do you have to bark? So the so I'm going to chime in here because I got, I got quite a bit Please of stuff do. I wanted to chime in. Uh, so the first thing is... As someone who's grown up being bullied in school, Ooh. Tesla owners, in large part, this is this is not a community thing. Not a small group represents the majority, but it takes one bad apple to spoil the bunch. And the yeah. reality is, we have a lot of people essentially acting as bullies because they think they're the big ones in the room. They're the BMOCs, the big men on campus, going, "Well, we got the best this, and we got the best that." And my thing is. Slow your roll for a second. I'm going to read verbatim what's on Tesla's website today. Tesla's mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Today, Tesla builds not only all electric vehicles, but also infinitely scalable clean energy generation and storage products. This is a key part to take away here. Tesla believes the faster the world stops relying on fossil fuels and moves towards a zero emission future, the better. That's it, full stop, nothing else you have to do. The truth is, this is what matters. And anyone who goes into these conversations trying to degrade, to deny, 
to belittle another manufacturer who's doing their part, shame on you. Okay. You don't get invited to your friend's house for dinner and then critique the person who makes your food going, I can make that better. It doesn't matter. Enjoy the food. It's fantastic. It is wonderful. You're getting satisfaction from something. Furthermore, Tesla has this unfair advantage compared to everybody because the naysayers thought when Tesla first started, they can't do it. They're a fledgling company. They're struggling. There's, they're just bleeding money, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now fast forward to now, and everyone looks at Tesla as the shining example of what something can be if you just give it time and, and give it some respect. So now Tesla is now the one saying, hey, look what we've done. We want everyone to use our patents. We want people to share the solutions. We want to be able to give that to the world because we know that's the core mission for us. We're going to make the safest cars, the most efficient cars. But if you take our technology and you find a way to improve it and make it better, great. Because ultimately, it's about making sure that we have a future on this planet for not just for humans, but for every living species on this earth. Furthermore, and I want to add this really important part, is Elon this week was in the news because we know about Dieselgate with Volkswagen. And they were in the news for all the wrong reason because even when they were caught cheating and said, okay, we're not going to do it again, they were doing it again, right? Elon this week has actually given praise to the CEO of Volkswagen because he believes what they're trying to do, which is to make their own battery packs, go electric, really transition their energy solutions as a big deal. So for Elon to come out and actually publicly support and say, hey, I embrace what they're doing. Mm. If you think Elon's the god of gods on earth because of what he's been doing, <clears throat> then damn it, man, use him as an example of just giving yes. respect where respect is due. Mm -hmm. That's it. You don't have to like the Porsche. You don't have to like BMW. You don't have to like anybody else. You want to drive Tesla for the rest of your days? Hey, I'm all for right. it. But when you see another EV on the road, even if it's a, what you think is a crappy Nissan Leaf, Guess what? It's an electric car. Just wave. Hello. Signal. Just be supportive because they're doing the same thing you're trying to do, which is not make it worse on this earth for everyone else. I want to say something about Volkswagen in general. Volkswagen Group. Mm -hmm. Now, despite all of the bad press that they've received and justifiably for what they've done, I think in some ways, overarching... They are trying to atone for that. They are the largest manufacturer of cars in the world. All the different brands that they own. Yeah. They are working very hard to go to electric. Name me one manufacturer, any other manufacturer, that has three different EVs from three different divisions that they own. Right. None. Yeah, there's none. Right? You got Volkswagen with the e-Golf. And very soon the ID3 and the Cross and the Buzz and whatever else they're going to come out with. You got the Taycan and you got the Audi. The Tron. You're going to have several others. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of time before they bring out a Bentley because they own that company and some kind of Lamborghini because they own that company. So that, that technology is going to get spread around in their different divisions. So I have to give them huge credit for pushing this hard to already have three divisions, already have one electric vehicle in their lines. Does GM have anything other than the Bolt in any of their other divisions? Does Ford? Nobody. Yeah, and I said this before. If, if General Motors had not killed the EV1 program, most of these companies that are now just trying to get their EV initiatives off the ground, 
may have already had them for the last decade and Tesla may not even exist if it hadn't been for General Motors killing that program. And, and Tesla is now essentially the leading example for the EV industry. So if everyone follows suit, great, go for it. Use, use what we, I mean, Tesla's already set the platform and they already have that bar set for if everyone's going, okay, we're going to try to challenge that. Great. And for Tesla, it's a good thing too, because if you all of a sudden now have significant, honest challengers trying to push the borderline of what your car can do in terms of overall mileage, battery life, uh, performance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You want that. You don't want to be the only person in the sector. You want challengers to actually then have to push you to become better because we know the Model S, which is the gold standard by which we're all trying to compare our vehicles to, it is now the oldest car in the fleet for Tesla outside of the original Roadster. The and even oldest. then, that was... And even then, that was more of just like a, a small, like, can, can we do this? Um, so the Model 3 has taken over the world by storm. Literally, it's a global vehicle now. And so now everyone else feels like they have to step up, which is good. Yeah. It's good for both them and it's good for Tesla long term. But that's what we ask them to do. We ask the manufacturers to step up and that's yeah. what they're doing now. They're actually delivering some EV models. And, you know, at the beginning, um, a lot of the challenges were pricing because battery technology was really expensive and so mm -hmm. yeah maybe some of the evs were not affordable to a lot of people but now that more manufacturers are working on this and they're they're delivering more models and um the technology is advancing the prices are changing and hopefully more people can afford evs um yeah and that's what we asked for this is exactly what we wanted and now that it's happening we shouldn't be putting it down <laughs> right absolutely it's important to remember that, and, and I've said this many times before, you know, cars are not designed in six months. It takes five to six years for a manufacturer to design a car from the ground up properly. I'm talking, you know, I'm not talking about a conversion here mm -hmm. to do a new platform like the MEB that they did over at Volkswagen stuff. That's a five to six year program for most manufacturers. Um, most of these manufacturers started about four, maybe five years ago. So the fruits of these labors are really going to start showing up in the next year or two. Because right now, what, you know, let's face it, most people, when you talked about EVs, they go, well, these things are unicorns. I can't afford it. They don't exist. Right. The right. thing is, is that once these cars actually start to come out and you can actually see them in the showroom, meaning that at least they have one, maybe two, maybe three different models, then people's perception are like, oh, these things aren't unicorns. I can actually get them. Hmm. So, like I said, some of those fruits of those labors are going to start showing up in the next couple of years. You know, it's easy to say Tesla owns a whole market. Well, the thing is, is that Tesla started 15 years ago with zero baggage. They don't have SUVs paying the bills and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, there's, there's, some, yeah, I was gonna say, there's a there's a couple other factors too that are really important to understand. Is that uh, all, almost all the manufacturers that we're talking about are publicly owned companies. You know, they have to prove to their shareholders that they're viable. You know, insolvent. And in the early days of EVs, when, you know, Nissan first came out with the Leaf and Tesla was struggling to produce the Roadster and then the early Model S's and hemorrhaging money left, right and center, you know, and so was Nissan and the Leaf development. It took a long time for that car to even be marginally profitable. How does any other OEM go, hmm, that looks like a good idea. Yeah, exactly. They're selling a couple hundred, you know, they're spending billions in developments. Yeah, there's and a lot of resistance. Yeah. And a couple hundred cars. You know, and then if you're a private company, you can go out and make that that leap of faith and do it. But when you're when you're publicly owned, 
you got a lot of people to answer to, you know, so it, it, there's a lot of stuff that holds them back. So even if there's, there's a bunch of people who are on board within the company, all that stuff has to be overcome. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, in the early days, if, if, you know, by 2013, 2014, it still wasn't sure that Tesla was going to be a sure thing or that the Leaf or any of the other EVs at the time were, were really going to be viable. And at that point, you know, certainly Porsche must have pushed the go button on the Taycan because it wouldn't be here today if they hadn't. So, you know, kudos to them for jumping in at that point. It, that's one of the reasons that they're they're this early out of the gate. And likewise, uh, I, we, we should give a little special mention to Hyundai and Kia. I think they're right there. Yes. You look at their offerings. You know, they've got three, four offerings now that are quite solid. So the other ones will come along. Now everybody realizes it's like, okay, we really have to. I, I think the, the pivotal point was when they saw the reservation numbers on the Model 3. That I guarantee you, and boardrooms nice all around the world, people went scrambling. It's like, okay, there's no turning back now. This is happening. But okay, so what's that? Spring of 2017. Count five years from then, and then you'll see the real results of what's happening. Exactly. Um, I was going to mention one other thing too, um, and if we just kind of bring it back to the Taken. In my personal opinion, I think the Taken right now in this particular moment in time is the Taken. Taken. I said earlier today, I said if you yeah, would think it's a Liam Neeson vehicle. Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> I will find you. I'm going to find you. <laughs> I will kill you. All right. Taken. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Ty Go ahead. Carry right. on. Carry on. Um, at this particular moment in time, I think other than the Model 3, I think as far as credibility is concerned, this is the most important car to come out. Setting aside the Model 3 aside, I'm just comparing it against the Model S, right? In this category of car, in this price range, this is the most important car that we've seen. Um, I think in Porsche's stable of vehicles, my personal opinion here, I think it's the most beautiful car that they have in their lineup. And it it really sets the bar high. It's a, it's a halo car for them. And it's designed to get their customers... Right, a Tesla guy is not necessarily going to buy a Porsche unless he's cross shopping. Yeah, there are edge cases for that, right? But you've got a significant amount of brand loyalty over there, and they will see this car and go, "This is legit. I can actually buy the Porsche that I love and get this new technology and look at all the things that it can do, and it can do the track." I mean, guys, did you see how big the brakes are on this car? This is a track car. Carbon ceramic brakes, come on, right, right. Uh, so no, this car is really a halo car for them, and I say good for them. They need to do this because you can't start at the bottom and work your way up. In my personal opinion, you yeah. can do that with the other brands, right? But I don't think I think it would be a mistake if Porsche had come out and say, "Do they still make the Boxster by by chance?" Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it would have been a mistake for them to start at the boxer and try to work their way up. They need right. to start at the top and work their way down. I Personal mean, opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of credibility to that sort of thesis, and and I think the you know we, we've seen the, we've seen the more economical brands, Hyundai, Kia, Toyota, among others, uh, that sort of either had hybrids or or going to full BEVs, and you know there there were certainly struggles in some of their sales. Part of it was because of charging capabilities, um, you know, the number of charging outlets in certain communities and stuff like that, um, range of the vehicles, what have you. Tesla really started changing the game when their Model S came out. And then they knew, like Tesla knew, if we're going to make this work, 
we have to also then create the supercharging network that Ian hinted at earlier in the show. If we don't do this, if we don't make it so that you can go from A to B and not have to like charge a car for 19 hours and then go and drive another 19, you know, like you can literally just drive in like 20 minutes, charge a car, go again. Um, they had that vision long before it ever was created. And look where we're at today. That supercharger network is what propelled their sales so well because they knew people knew, aha, I have a way of charging my car. Um, so now with Porsche, especially when they have a charger that as of today, if, were, if you were to find a charger of that capacity, would charge their vehicle faster than Tesla does with the V3. Um, you know, and they're even saying we could long-term go maybe 450 to 500 kilowatts, which is insane if you think about it. That's you might be able to fill an EV in less time than it is to fill your car with gasoline. When you see a brand like Porsche going this big this early with that with that car, you know, like the Panorama, like you're 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 going you're going big or go home, and that being sorry that brings so much credibility to the electric vehicle industry because exactly. you're now seeing these high end manufacturers embracing electric technology, knowing that if you know our cars for turbo and performance and speed and acceleration. We're going to give that to you and then some, and we're going to do better than our gas engines ever could. And we're going to blow your mind and it's going to be hello, fun and exciting. I mean, I drive my model three today and I was driving, uh, I was accelerating off of a stoplight and I'm like, hee hee, it's still fun. And I don't have a hundred and some thousand dollar car. So this, if you want to really change it from both ends of the spectrum, not the Hyundai's and Toyota owners and so forth, which again, props to them because they've done it. But now, now see high end manufacturers, Lamborghini, Audi, Porsche, Ferrari, et cetera. Like that, now you're going to have it on every end of the spectrum. And in between, you still have Lexus and Tesla and all these other, you know, uh, luxury brands that are available. So it's, it's, it's good. We, we need this on the whole entire spectrum to, to get, to make it seem normal. You, you mentioned charging, and I think it's important for us to spend a little bit of time talking about Electrify America slash Electrify Canada. These are initiatives that uh, the Volkswagen Group um, have taken on to to do. It's part of their um, package of things that they have to do for restitution and stuff. I, I, and I forget what the exact number is. I think somewhere in the $2 billion or something like that. I remember. Um, yes, yeah. So, yeah. So yesterday I had a chance to um, see the very first uh, charging station that opened here in Canada at the uh, Toronto Premium Outlets. I went on Anise's behalf. So, Thank you, and uh, I hope we did you right. <laughs> you did. You did okay. great. I'm so sad that. I couldn't go, but thanks for going online. That's okay. No problem. <laughs> Anytime. Um, and I think it's important to mention that these guys aren't starting small. These are 150 kilowatt and 350 kilowatt chargers. I mean, Tesla's doing 250, but those are in the infancy stages. They already have 350. On, on I'm not saying that all of their cars can do it, <clears throat> but... They are actually doing it. Now, this is the first station of 32 that they're supposed to open by, supposedly, by the end of the year. We'll see how things go because permitting and stuff uh, always throws a, a wrench into the works sometimes. But they're putting some money behind this to actually get this to happen. Now, these are not walled gardens. Anybody can use them because they use CCS charging standard ports on these cars. Um, so... Sometime, hopefully, Tesla might give us a CCS adapter for the rest of the cars. But right now, any North American car or Japanese car that uses CCS can actually use these. Now, they're live today. Anybody can go down and charge. Um, and, of course, they've released the rates and stuff. But I think it's important to, to, to understand that no one manufacturer is, should be responsible and is capable of handling 
the whole charging system all by themselves. Yes, Tesla's put a lot of money and effort into their supercharging network. Let's just set them aside for a second. And if you look at most of the manufacturers other than Volkswagen at this point, very few have actually committed to doing anything on their end. It's basically, it's like, that's not our problem. Just kind of let it set it aside. But these guys have taken some initiative to actually do this. The stations are already open. They have more planned. And, I mean, one of the... <laughs> there was a gentleman who asked a question yesterday, and you could tell, and and I don't know what his name is, whatever, but it's not important. But he was asking questions, like theoretical things, like he was saying, like, well, what happens when all the cha- charging stations are full because all the cars are going to be electric? I'm like, dude, do you not understand that this is at least a 30-year process? And you're talking to one company. You're talking to Shell here. I mean, you still got all these other gas companies. Like, this one company can't handle or can't um, do the charging system all by themselves. So his mentality just wasn't rare. In the He just assumed that these guys are the only people that were going to put high-speed chargers in. And that's, that's wrong. It's not, it's not true. And from what I understand, um, Porsche and maybe Audi, too, is offering some sort of... Um, package with the purchase of the vehicle that, yes, that they, can, they can use um, electrify Canada on the road for like a certain amount of time or mileage or whatever it is. But they're that's doing part like a of free supercharging package right. if you buy a car type of thing. Right. Yeah. Which I think is great. Like that's, well, that's a know, good incentive. That's yeah. what was missing from some of the other manufacturers not being able, able to have like a network. So this is what they've done. They're partnering up with an already existing network. Great. And they're just building on and they kind of brought um, Electrify Canada to Canada. This is like this is it's it's their initiative really, and that's going to be huge. That's going to help you know VW, Audi, and and, and Porsche get more of, of their cars on the road. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important that <clears throat> maybe some of the other manufacturers need to jump in and partner up with some of the other chargers and give somebody an incentive of some mm-hmm. form. Here's some charging credits, whatever on your account, uh, use it. And then that helps, you know, sell cars. I mean, look at Tesla does it for the supercharger network, right? Free supercharging, thousand, thousand, uh, thousand miles, 1500 kilometers, whatever the case may be. It works. Uh, give people referral codes. I don't care, whatever, (laughs) whatever works, but get some incentives out there. I wanted to mention something, um, just, just adding on to what Eric said earlier. Um, you know, Porsche has had such a huge, part in like automotive culture and i kind of wrote this about this a little bit on my, on my blog like you know they've been around for so long and people really just think about porsche as like this you know high end and you know most people save up a long time to buy their porsche and it's always like this big milestone almost it is and you know for porsche to 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 take this so seriously and and launch this car and this network and whatever all these things that they're doing um to me it's almost like they're giving permission to all the gearheads all the people that's like oh my porsche that all say you know what it's okay to like evs and it's okay Mm -hmm. for you to own one and it's okay that um you can own a really cool sports car and it's going to be an ev and it's cool and it's okay and i think that's like huge that's like the best part for me because like I talk to like a lot of like these guys and they're just like, oh, you know, EVs, like nerds and this whole stigma. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about all of a sudden, like the Porsche having an EV and it's so cool. and Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess they're coming around. I guess EVs are the future. I guess we need to wrap our heads around this. So, yes, you have to because um, not only is it Porsche, but everybody else is going to be doing it. And hopefully they're going to be coming out with like nice designs like this, too. 
That, that you hit the nail right on the head. And as somebody who has worked in the automotive business his entire life, um, you know, and has been into cars ever since he was like big enough to see out the window and look at them. This is so important. I remember I got into a little online discussion on Twitter a couple of weeks ago when, you know, when, when, when the Taycan Tesla wars were, were reaching fever pitch. And one of the complaints was, well, what the hell good is the Taycan? You know, like this isn't going to change, you know, revolutionize transportation. It's not a vehicle for the masses. It's going to have no effect on world on CO2 emission. no. You're right. Numbers wise, it's completely insignificant. You know, if we all just turned off our fridge at night, it would probably have a, a much bigger effect. It, it doesn't. That's not the point. It's about changing the image of EVs and the fact that another company that's done it, that's not Tesla, because mm. frankly, I think the world at this point is tired from hearing, hearing from the Tesla fanatics. OK. <laughs> oh, yes. I yeah. saw yeah. that nice, yesterday. Even the nice yeah. ones like us who are, are pretty calm about it. But I mean, it's like it's so great to have somebody else on board. And imagine what's going to happen when there is an electric Lamborghini. Now, I, I think that's going to be a long way away. But pick another cool car. I can't wait to see the first electric Challenger or electric Mustang. And I know the Mustang electric and, and Challenger people are like, oh, my God, they're rolling over at the sound of that. But the minute it happens, and mark my words, it will happen, it changes everything. Because these are the cars that change the culture and make it okay for everybody else to go there. I experienced that firsthand yesterday at the event. After the event, I had a chat with a couple of gentlemen um, and we just got talking and these guys had no idea about EVs. They didn't know. They came out for the event to check out the cars and stuff. And you know how I've been saying talk is cheap and you got to get people behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. So these two gentlemen were talking about, well, you know, I've been a car guy and, you know, I like muscle cars and I like the vroom vroom because it's fast. I said, listen, you need to understand here that you need to separate the vroom vroom from the performance Mm -hmm. because you can have the performance without this. And it feels actually in a lot of ways, it feels more more accentuated because it messes with your mind. You've been so grown to have these two things melded together. And when you separate them and you experience it for the first time, it messes with your head. And I took them for a ride in my car. And let me tell you, after that, they weren't talking about vroom vroom no more. (laughs) Right? So, and and it doesn't matter what car it is. They need to experience the vehicle. You can talk all day long. But experience is what's going to change the minds of people. You know what? And that's what's important about this car. You know what really, really pisses me off about some of this stuff? Tell me. Is, <laughs> I'll say what it is. Tell us. Here's what grinds Tell my gears. Here's, here's what grinds my electric motors. <laughs> um, what really bothers me is if you if you look back on recent technology, let's look at the last 25 years and where technologies come from, how thin and light our televisions are. Um, we have portable devices in our pocket that are basically more powerful than what put men on the moon in the 60s. By okay? several orders of magnitude. Right. So we, we've got all these advances, and I can't think of any single product where there was that much criticism from people going, nope, ain't going to work, not going to do it, no, nope, terrible thing. LEDs in my TV? No, what the LEDs? What the hell is that? The, the LED? I don't want LED in my TVs. There's, there's, I can't think of anything other than electric cars having this much animosity from people going, ugh, are you crazy? Just give me. And, and what's weird is that I look at battery versus gas as no different option going, do I want black or white interior? It's an option. You can still choose to go to a dealership if they're, give, if they're presenting both options. And you may say, you know what? I'm not ready for electric for whatever reason, and that's fine. The dealer shouldn't look at you going, 
you're missing out on the greatest advancement in humankind, okay? At the same time, if you go electric, someone shouldn't say, you're missing out on the oldest technology of humankind. Like, you can't, you can't have both sides of the argument when a person's making a choice. So, I mean, it, when Apple first came out with the phone in 2006, their iPhone? Seven. seven. Uh, or 2007. I think it was 06 or 07. But basically, when it first came out, a lot of folks were like, eh, that's crazy. Not going to fly. Think about what the iPhone could only do then. And look at what the iPhone can do now. Advancements are important because at some point, other manufacturers of mobile devices said, oh, we're going to introduce this feature that Apple doesn't have, and we're going to market that. And then Apple goes, okay, we're going to introduce that. And so you see this tit-for-tat kind of competition, and then Android devices come out with better stuff, and Apple goes, okay, we can do that better. You have a better camera? Okay, we're going to... So you need that competition. So when when people look at electric cars going, they're never going to work, it's 2019, folks. They're not, going, they're not going anywhere. They're here. They're as commonplace yeah. as a yeah. cell phone. Get over it. Here's the thing, and, and it, it's fascinating when you lay it out like that because I'd never really thought about it, and it became clear just in the you're way welcome. you stated it. Uh, of course. I mean, always, Eric, always. <laughs> we, we know you're the man who brings the rational, like, line of thought. Whole, and the know, puns. The, the whole consciousness of the thing here but when you play it like that let's think about it and let's take some of those examples where uh no one was no one was out you know to 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 stop the advancement of you know manual washing machines becoming automatic or going from ice boxes to refrigerators or black and white tv to color or tube tvs to lcd right there was no anti-lcd movement or led movement your point is well taken Here's what's truly bizarre about the whole electric car revolution is it's probably the first type of technology where we've had huge forces aligned against it, you know, and you could name two of them, the Koch brothers, you know, the New York Times did a fantastic article last week about, you know, their 28 year legacy of all of the FUD that they've put out there, you know, to protect their, their interests. So this is a very peculiar thing. It would be as if every uh, everybody else in the phone industry or in electronics in general aligned themselves to explain how bad the first iPhone was. I'm sure there was a little bit of that, but it was microscopic compared to the amount of disinformation, like the merchants of doubt stuff that's gone with EVs. So this is really a unique thing. I mean, in in any other type of uh, appliance or device or advancement in, in you know in our life. We would never have seen this. We would have been there 20 years ago. But it's it's really, that's the single biggest thing that stopped the adoption um, from happening uh, much faster than it should have. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. I want to spend a couple of minutes here and just talk about some of the, the, the specs on the Taycan. Um, I'm just, you guys can't see this here, but I'm going to read some of them off. So the 2020 
uh, Porsche Taycan uh, features a 90 kilowatt hour battery pack. The range is approximately 450 kilometers or 279 miles. I'm assuming this is the, uh, the European uh, testing standard. The yes, EPA is. is going to be lower because the EPA standard that we test here in North America is a little more stringent. It's a little more realistic. Top speed, 260 kilometers per hour. Very respectable. Ian, you would agree? Sounds, sounds familiar. <laughs> Scary enough, let me tell you. Um, hundred, uh, zero to hundred kilometers per hour on the turbo. Why they use turbo is beyond me, but it's marketing thing. Anyways, on the base car, 3.2 seconds. So basically like a performance model three, the turbo S will do the same thing in 2.8 second, uh, 2.8 seconds. So just a, a little bit slower than a ludicrous model S, but very respectable numbers. The uh, turbo car features 500, kilo, uh, 500 kilowatt motors, uh, so that's 670 horsepower, and the Turbo S five, uh, comes in at 560 kilowatts or 750 horsepower. Um, All-wheel drive, two-speed transmission, which is unusual. Uh, Tesla tried a two-speed transmission when they did the Roadster back in the day. Never worked out for them, but that's beside the point. Four passengers. And a uh, cargo, uh, they're saying uh, the front trunk is 81 liters and the trunk is 366 liters. Sorry, I don't know where that is in cubic feet. I did not convert it. <sighs> so, so, um, very respectable numbers. Um, I think it's a it's a really good start. Um, I mean, listen, for a first EV from these guys to match pretty much what Tesla's doing in, in many ways on the performance scale of things, nailed it, right? Um, I oh, don't think anybody will, will not want to, to experience one of these vehicles. It, you know, what's intriguing, too, I'm looking at the specs, uh, you know, the comparisons first came out. And, and I'm not talking the plaid prototype. No, that, that's obviously an animal together. still a ways away. Just looking at the existing Model S today and the Porsche uh, Taycan. Um, in terms of dimensions, the vehicles are very, very close to the same thing. So the wheelbase is... Um, for the Model S, is 116.5 inches. For the uh, Porsche, it's 114.2. Uh, the length is different by half an inch, uh, where the Model S is slightly longer. The width is off by one-tenth of an inch without the mirrors, the Taycan being a little bit wider. Uh, the height, uh, the Model S beats it by about 2.2 inches. But the curb weight, the Porsche is about 5,200 pounds, where the Model S is about 4,960. So imagine, so there was a lot of conversation in, in recent days because of the testing on the track in Germany. Well, imagine if the Taycan, at some point, they can they can get that weight to be comparable to the Model S. I mean, you know, look, these these track figures, I, again, it's, it's the enthusiast that, uh, and as I mentioned oh, yeah. earlier, like super were like, I want this car to be the fastest car ever in the history of mankind. <laughs> it's okay if it's first or second or third. I'm going to tell you, folks, if you're listening to the show, know something. Electric cars will always outperform a gasoline engine. Hands down. That's it. End of story. Close the book and get out of here. So if you take any Porsche now with a gas engine and put that, that electric car on the track, go for it. See what happens. You see now um, all the muscle cars... Um, I can't think of the terminology, but some of the cars that like the Model S and Model 3 race against on a track, just from a dead heat, just go. The, the Hemis can't just beat them off the line. You can't beat them off the line. You can't. Maybe if you, you know, a certain stretch, they'll catch up to you. But dude, well, on top no speed, one ever you can certainly beat them. Yeah, but. but like on a traffic light or going on the highway, no one beats me. 
I have a lot of thing is that people, yeah. I mean, people hang too much of their hats on these performance figures. And let's face it, other than a track or an airstrip or something like that, you can't drive these these vehicles to their maximum capacity on yeah. on public streets. So it's bragging rights in many ways, and that and that's perfectly fine. But this car, like I said, it's a track car. When you see this thing in person, you see the stance, the technology that's in it. Great big brakes on this thing. Like, I've never seen calipers that big in my life. It's a Porsche. It's a track car. That's what it yeah. is. That's exactly why some of these track numbers are important. You know, why they, they were very proud to get that uh, 742 on the Nürburgring because that's a really tough track uh, to achieve mm-hmm. those kind of numbers on. You know, and nobody with a four door EV had come even close. Obviously, the plaid car came and blew everybody's minds, mine probably more than anyone's. But that that's kind of a freak of nature thing that we we could never have even imagined a year ago. And those numbers marry uh, uh, matter greatly to the Porsche customer and a lot of other people. So yeah, we might think of them as absurd, you know. And even the two speed gearbox, I would argue, in our uh, market is a little bit um, wasted because it really only shows its its colors when you're you know trucking up past 80, 100 miles an hour, you know, or 160 kilometers an hour. And but in its home market on the Autobahn, that has a huge effect, you know, like there's no question that that thing is going to be king of the EVs on the Autobahn, at least for a little while, at least till the Roadster shows up. Because if you look at the if you graph the acceleration curves, you know, off the line, a ludicrous Model S will will clean the, the Taycan's clock. But when you get to 100 miles an hour, things start to get very different. It's it's those curves start to merge. So they've, mm-hmm. they've done some cool things there. And it'll be interesting to see how Tesla reacts uh, on, on future vehicles if they take that same approach. Now, my next uh, bit that I want to talk about here, and I want Anise's opinion here because she was, you know, fortunate to actually sit in the car. I want your take on, <laughs> sorry, I want your take on. <laughs> oh, oh, that was an error. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> now, I want her take. Still my um, Fit and finish, interior um, options, because if you look at the Porsche site, I mean, the sheer number of options and the ways you can configure this car certainly eclipse anything Tesla could ever imagine. This is a car for enthusiasts who really want to customize this vehicle. So what's your opinion there, uh, Anise? Um, I mean, I drive the Model 3 every day. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm in a really... Uh, <laughs> you said you weren't going to do that, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Care, it was care. really busy. I'm biased. Um, yeah, for me, it was busy. I know. I'm trying to just be like, okay, it w- it was busy f- at first, but um, you know, production obviously like quality. Okay, 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 quality. Yeah, for sure, it was a Porsche through and through. It was nice. I remember the the steering wheel, uh, the seats, like beautiful stitching, like, and it felt comfortable for me because again, like I'm short, so. I like the way the the seats felt. I know people in the back were not so comfortable. I remember some people were sitting there and it was a little tighter and some of those things, leg room and all that stuff. It felt nice for me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, as far as like all the screens and you know visuals, it it, it it's busy. Um, but again, that's like a personal preference. And um, I liked actually that the that there was um, a, a screen on on the like in in front of the passenger and maybe that. That's something that um, I don't know. They're gonna work. 
kind of thought because it's probably going to be like um different features that you can choose you can maybe choose what you see on there and what you don't want to see or or whatever it is going to be um yeah sorry i don't know if that answers your question <laughs> no it's perfectly fine my observation having spent quite a bit of time around the car yesterday and uh fit and finish typical german like really well done you know everything was nice and even uh, was laid out. Um, this was a, um, and I, I took a picture of the VIN, but I forget what it is now. Anyways, um, it looks like they're starting the, and this was a German, uh, this was a European spec car because it didn't, ha it, even though it had CCS ported, it was the Type 2 connector, the European one, so they couldn't charge here. Um, it had a lot of really interesting um, visual bits on it, like the headlights and the taillights on this thing were beautiful, really well done, like it really shows some modern thinking. Um if you see what uh, Audi's been doing a lot with their taillights and stuff, they're really thinking kind of forward um, mm -hmm. in those respects. So there's some really nice design elements on there. I'm very happy that it looks, at least from the front, very much like the original Mission E, where they kept the, you know, the headlight uh, uh, treatment on the front. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. they really look, uh, really did a good job on it. The wheels are very nice. Um, the door handles are interesting on this car, even though the, the, you know, door handles go through phases right now. Everybody has pull door handles like this. Tesla's on their fourth <laughs> handle design at this point. Um, Porsche did something different on this car. It has more of the traditional, you put your hand and you lift up the door handle like that, except that it's, it's motorized. When you pull on it, it actually comes out much like what the Model S does. Not, not straight out, but it lifts up and it stays there. There's an LED light on the bottom. Um, and then you just pull on it. Of course, the door opens. Um, that also unlocks the charge ports. The charge ports are interesting on this car. And in case you haven't seen it, unfortunately, I don't have any video to show you here. But it has two charge ports, one on the driver's side, one on the passenger side. The one on the driver's side is strictly type um, uh, level two. So, you know, your 1772 or your CCS or level, or not CCS. got to stop saying that. 1772 in North America in Europe will be the type two. On the passenger side is where you find the CCS port. The door, the cover, um, actually retracts and, go up and goes up inside the body, which was really quite interesting. Um, I think the lift mechanism is very similar to what they did with the e-tron, except the difference with the e-tron is that the door is on the outside of the car and it lifts up. Uh, but this is all hidden. It's all inside the... And I'm happy to report it does have a pinch sensor, so if anybody sticks their hands in there, you're not going to get hurt. I, I tried. <laughs> So it, it does show some forward thinking. Um, there is a button on the inside. I, I didn't really, I mean, I was so busy, I didn't really pay attention to all the stuff that's in there. But it, 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 they're certainly um, showing some design innovations with this thing. They're, they're trying something a little different. Um, my personal opinion, I would like to see a door like that on a Model 3 rather than the flap that goes up because in some ways I, I think that's a little bit flimsy, but that's just my personal opinion. I don't I know. I, I think they did a good job. I with you the way it opens. It's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? In, you you got to tick, tickle the thing right on the side yeah, to make it go. <laughs> when, um, when, I read, when I read your blog and you say um, uh, three weeks ago and I saw the photographs and saw your write-up, um, I, I certainly came away very impressed with what Porsche did. I know there's a lot of naysayers and I saw a lot of the negativity that was out there. Um, I think for people like myself, you, you and I are model. I mean, hell, all four of us on this uh, are now Model 3 owners. Um, we can officially say that. Welcome to the club, Trevor. It's only been, whew, how many millennia? Anyway, um, <laughs> just think, you were my age when you first put your, Yeah, you were my age when you first waited. <laughs> Three so, at last. That's the name of my car. <laughs> right. 
It's true. Yeah. So no, so we certainly are spoiled by the very simplistic minimalistic design. So it certainly is going to take people who look at the Model 3 and and hope that there's some iterations of that in future generations of Tesla uh, and then look at the Porsche Taycan and go, that's, that's, that's too much noise. But I will say it's a great interior for two reasons. One, if you are a traditionalist who likes Porsche vehicles, that's a Porsche interior. That's that's what you're yeah. accustomed to. You just you sit in that in that driver's seat. You're you're in the pilot seat if you want to call it that. And you look at your dash and you're like, you just before you even do anything with the car, you just know you're in a Porsche. And the second thing is for those who are looking to get into electric cars that want style and performance in the same package, something like this gives that to you because it's it's sort of a an in-between what you're used to now with all the buttons and dials and what have you, which I know when Trevor had to get a, a loaner and he, he had all these gadgets and yeah. gizmos, he's like, that's, that's just too many things. But if you don't want to go with the very clean styling of the Model 3, this is the Goldilocks car for some people. So if you're if you're comparing it to a Model 3, yeah, it does have a, a lot more functionality to it. But I think for a lot of people, it's something they're going to go, but I like it. I, I can get used to that. It, it works for me. Um, I think it's gorgeous. It's not what I would want to have in my car. Um, I do like, because I am a minimalist by nature. I mean, if you look at the place behind me, I basically can still put another apartment in my apartment. Um, but that's okay. It, I, I still I still think it's a beautifully designed car. And the functionality, they put a lot of thought into how some of the stuff works. And to your point, Trevor, yeah, and that you can see innovation coming out of this vehicle and go, there's some things that Tesla could take from that or what General Motors could take from that or what Volkswagen Group could take from that. And that's the idea. It's inspiring new designs that can go, let's see if we can come up with something similar that we think is going to be as great. Like the charging port, like just the whole idea of how that charging port opens. Like if it breaks one day, okay, fine. But like just the way that it opens, I'm like, I want to do that. I just want to, I just want to go to a dealership and just be like, Open. It was fun to play with. Yeah, like I know. Nisa, like you want Star Trek or something. I, and Nisa, I know you want to say something. I just want to throw something in real quick before I pass it over to you. Um, I think it's important for people to remember that if Porsche had come out with this car and aped too much of what Tesla did, let's say the interior or the exterior design, can you imagine the ire? I mean, oh, yeah. it was bad enough if people were making fun of them for being overly complex, but if they ate too much te uh, Tesla stuff. Yeah. What would people say at that point, right? Yeah. They would never, you'd never hear the end of that. So I'm glad that they're doing their own thing. Let them do their own thing. All right, Anissa, your turn. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of going to say. Like, I had this conversation with another Tesla owner. We're talking about, um, you know, how some of these um, models, like the e tron, I was saying, you know, um, it, the car when I drove it, you know, felt differently and whatever. And we, and I, I still think that like these manufacturers are are building um, the cars like they're normally used to manufacturing these cars, and then the EV portion, <laughs> like the battery stuff technology, is like is an after kind of process, mm -hmm. and um, that's okay. That's just how that's what they know best. Um, they know how to manufacture the vehicles a certain way and um, what they're producing. That's also what their customers want from them. Like so like what you said, like a Porsche customer wants their in interior to be a certain way and they expect that. So if perhaps a Porsche customer would sit in a, in a Tesla, they would feel like it's super awkward and it's not for them, they just wouldn't feel comfortable in it. So, you know, these, these manufacturers are designing and producing vehicles for their people. They know what their people want and that's what they're giving them. So 
yeah, to new people, it might be different. Like for me, when I sat in, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff going on in here. But for them, it was like, oh, this is amazing. This totally feels comfortable to me. I love this. Just this, it, it felt like intuitive for, for a lot of people. So um, it's just, again, like that change that we're expecting. Like I was like, well, why can't, you know, Audi design vehicles this way now because it's an EV and they should do things differently. Well, they can't because their customers aren't there yet. Right. Like they yeah. still have to do things a certain way and kind of move things slowly towards this end goal that we have that, yeah, we're all going to be in EVs, but I think it's going to take a few more models for us to all get there. Tesla, <laughs> if, if Tesla that makes is, sense. Sorry. Tesla is no different. Remember when the model S first came out, it had the nose cone. Mm -hmm. That was deliberate because they didn't want the look. They didn't want the car to look too alien. And then mm. they did the Model X and the Model Three, and eventually they updated the front of the Model S. Once people got comfortable with these cars, they got rid of 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 the nose cone. And of course, the Model Three now has that minimalist interior. Just wait till we see this pickup truck that they're going to come out with. I'm sure it's not going to look right. like anything else on the planet. So right. Tesla Tesla is evolving in such a way that they're getting more brazen as people get more comfortable with the cars. These are the manufacturers. In some ways, they may or may not let go of some of their traditional DNA, but these German manufacturers, when you get into those cars, I sat in the e-tron. It feels like a German luxury car, and that's what those customers want. Want, exactly. Progress sometimes is not fast and swift. It's very step-by-step. And when you think about the fact that mm -hmm. Tesla initially said, we're going to build an electric car strictly as an electric car from the ground up. We're going to totally clear the slate. And we're going to redesign a car. We're not going to retrofit. We're not going to try to get something to fit into a chassis. We're going to say, we're going to make this car electric and here's how we're going to do it. And so when you start with a totally clean right. sheet of paper and you start rendering your stuff, you can make that car work because you're introducing your first product as what you wanted it to be from right. day one. All these other manufacturers are going to kind of piecemeal their way through it. You're going to find that this is step 1C for Porsche. By the time they get to like E7, watch what they're going to be able to produce because it's it's just going to be a gradual process. And they're transitioning. It's like Victoria's Secret. If they were to all of a sudden tomorrow go, we're going to become Victoria's Secret Garden. And they're going to sell plants and trees and stuff because they want to be environmentally friendly. It's going to take time because people are going to, what do you know about gardening? But it, it's, it's all it's all. <laughs> right, it's exactly. It's all like that. Um, but it, it's a it's a process. So so I, I think I think largely this you know, and we we talked a lot off air at the end of last week's show, the the three gentlemen in the show, um, because I was like really pissed off because I mean there were some people that we are friends with in the community that we see on social media who have a very large audience, saying some somewhat derogatory things, and we're like that, and I'm going to curse here. That shit has to stop, because the fact of the matter is. You're doing, you're, you're not only making, to me, you're hurting not just the EV culture as a whole. You're making every Tesla owner look bad. Yeah. Because you you are representing the brand in everything that you do. There's enough naysayers and negative people. Listen, the Tesla people are already out there en masse oh. trying to do what they can to just browbeat everyone who's in support of Tesla. If you then come after another auto manufacturer because you didn't like the way that this car looks or how it performs or so what you're, you're, you're just as bad, what? right? You're just at your part of that same ground. Don't be that yeah. Ian had it dead on in the beginning, rise above <laughs> it, rise above and it, set the right example and just do and do what yeah. a, a good person does, which is go, you know what? Applaud them. Congratulations. Good for you. You can certainly have your criticism saying, you know, what? I wish they did this or I wish they did that. But go, you know what? 
that's fantastic. If a kid comes into school with a science project, the teacher's not going to go, what kind of shit is this? Like, no, you're going to actually say, what a great thing you did. You made a valiant attempt at something awesome. We are officially no longer a family show. <laughs> I think we've pulled the... Uh, <laughs> but no, and, and, and I just jump in with go, probably. <laughs> Uh, there's there's one defense that comes up quite often when I when I've precipitated the conversation in, in person and on social media, and that's that, yeah, but all these other manufacturers were slamming Tesla all these years, and you know there's still all these active measures where they're trying to you know stifle their their growth, you know, like GM blocking them from selling cars in certain states directly, whatever whatever you want to call it. I still say to use your exact words, rise above it. I mean, we're we're no longer in the threat zone. I mean, mm -hmm. Tesla is a force to re-reckon with now. They own the EV market. They will for a long time to come. You don't have to fire back on that kind of stuff. It's petty at this point. If you want somewhere to vent your anger, okay, and go full outrage, go after Tesla Q. Go after the short community. Go after the media that's very clearly biased against them. I mean, and not fair pieces, okay? I'm not talking about don't attack media articles that say, 10 nice things about Tesla and two that are maybe criticisms. I've seen that too. It's like, yeah. no, man, it has to be 100% positive coverage. Cool your jets, okay? A little criticism is fine. As long as it's legitimate, I you, you have to have it. But I mean, total hit pieces, yes, go after that stuff. You know, people who are clearly fudsters, go after those people. You know, the shorts who are obviously trying to manipulate. Yeah, that's where you got to send the hate. But the rest of them, you know, like the other companies, the other owners, the other clubs, uh, the cars themselves, let it go. And even then, aggression begets aggression. I think when, when you have people who go after the fudsters and, and, and the like, and they go after them with sort of the same vitriol that they're getting, you're only encouraging and inviting more of that to come back at you because they're going to go, well, that's, that's, that's not going to stop me, and they're going to keep going. It's cyclical. So to me, it really comes down to um, it, it really comes down to if you if you combat that, the way that I like to do it is trying to one, either tell the person, you know what, I'm sorry you're having a bad day today. Hopefully things get better for you. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, like, don't really come at it with shame on you, the finger pointing. Just go, you know what, someone needs a hug. And then, you know, let it be to that with that. Or um, the other thing you can sorry, do okay. is just or come back at them with factual information. Things that go, you know, I, I understand you don't agree with that, but here here's what I can tell you and, you know, and yada, yada, yada. You know, you're right, Ian. We, we've we've seen the LA Times. You've seen other news outlets, respectable news outlets, but some stories out there uh, that don't cast tests on the positive light. Sometimes it is the journo, him or herself, that just for whatever reason has a personal vendetta against Tesla and everything's a hit piece, it seems like. Yeah. To me, that person's not worth my time to even try to say anything because they're, they're, their mind's already set. They're, they're already locked in whatever their opinions are. That being said, I also believe that there are some people who, and we encounter them all the time with the the sort of the the skeptics. Like I don't really know, I don't believe in it. You know, I, I don't think they're really worthwhile. And Trevor's right. You get them in the car, you let them just genuinely feel it for themselves. Don't try to push the theory onto them. Let them experience it for themselves and go. Okay, well, what questions do you have? Let me answer those. Rather than let me tell you why this car is amazing. No, experience it for yourself. Um, when you're a kid who goes to Disney, you, you're learning it and you're experiencing it for yourself. It's your version of Disney that matters, not anyone else's. So let that, let them absorb that experience for the first time. And I think that's how you just little by little make the gradual changes rather than just going, just poking the bear going, I'm going to, I'm going to come out like, don't, that's not, that's not helpful in any way. 
Um, well, on that note, the show is going a little bit long. I think it's time for us to get into some viewer and listener questions. Anise, do you want to hang around and maybe to participate in this, or would you like to kick out early? Oh, no, I feel bad. I'm sorry. My my internet just got, was acting all no, that's wonky. Okay. That, that's I'm, I'm, I'm here. You're, you're okay? Okay. Thanks, good. Rogers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump in. This is part of the show that we like to uh, answer viewer and listener questions. If you'd like to submit something, we usually put out a tweet the day of the podcast. We usually record on Thursdays, so follow me on Twitter. The handle's Model Three Owners. I put out a Google form that you can fill in, and then you can submit your questions. Uh, first question tonight comes from Carlo. Haha. <laughs> Here's a tire question. Ian, you're up. Uh, what's the next? <laughs> Carlo asks, what's the next best tire less expensive for the Model 3 that comes in the 18-inch arrows? What will fit? Well, Carlo, I hate to give you my standard answer, which sounds like I don't want to answer, but um, that's a hugely open-ended question, and it isn't... We can't just say in one spell swoop, okay, you know, the Michelin that's on the car is the best one, and then the second best is this, and the third best is this. It all has to do with what you like. You know, what are your priorities? Is it range? Is it performance? Do they have to be quiet, comfortable? All of these things matter. So what I did is I put together a, uh, a little thread on the Tesla Owners Online Forum. And if you go on to the forum, teslaownersonline.com, and you search for forum thread, Model 3 Oh, we lost Ian. <laughs> I thought Laser so. Tires, you will find oh, the thread. And we've, we're about six, seven pages deep into it. And what it is, is it's people. You lost me? Yeah, well, we Hello? lost your video, but we can still hear you. Okay, as long as you can still hear me, no one, no one needs to see me, really. It's probably better. Okay. So, yeah, the, the thing is, just go <laughs> on there, read through it. You'll learn a hell of a lot. And not only that, then, you know, you can post what's important to you. So what I generally tell people is list five or six things that matter to you. And all of us, all the owners on there will come back and say, well, here's what I tried and here's how it worked. And I think it's a much better way to do it because it's my, my always, I always do the same comparison. It's basically asking what's the best restaurant and what's the second best restaurant? Well, I don't know. Do you like Thai food or Korean or, you know, like burgers or what is it you're looking for? So food for the win, man. That's it. So that's it. So, so go to the forum and uh, look for that thread. It's exactly why it's there. And if you have any specific questions there, you know, like, Hey, I'll jump in all day long and I'll, I'll, I'll help you out there. You will. Awesome. Next question comes from Neil. What are the odds of SR plus ever getting Netflix and YouTube in your opinion? 100%. 100% because. 100. Version 10 has started staging to cars as of today, and Tesla, in their infinite wisdom, has decided to give the SR Plus people a little bit of love. You will get YouTube and Netflix on Wi-Fi. So some of the cars that have premium connectivity, we will get some of those abilities over the LTE connection, but you will get those as long as you're connected to Wi-Fi. So either at a supercharger eventually when they put those, or uh, at a hotel or at your home and stuff. So yes, your answer has been uh, uh, answered. So there you Victory go. Three is mine. Yes. I have a question on that. Um, yep. I have a on that. Um, wasn't it that um, uh, full self-driving um, people that had purchased first would get access to that um, here <laughs> first? Yes, mm. that's the idea. But it's, uh, like I said, uh, Tesla puts things out in stages. Um, uh, version 10 is officially released uh, today so it is staging out to cars um we will have more to say about version 10 next week we got to give ourselves a little time to be okay. able to get it so next okay. week's podcast we're going to go straight deep into version 10 hopefully all 
all of us get it by then. Anyways, I don't have it yet. Fingers crossed. Well, I, anyways, I, that's, I don't, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, so and that's really, the hope anyways. Okay, real quick, uh, if you guys are listening to the show on now Friday or maybe late tonight, if it goes audio goes out, yeah. uh, it, there's two groups who are getting at the, the version 10 right now. One is if you're, you bought FSD and you're in that early release, you'll get it then. Also, if your car's software has the toggle switch for under software settings, under you have advanced. standard and advanced. If you go to advanced, uh, you'll be notified. Now, the key is this is a huge download. You need to make sure you're on a Wi-Fi network. So if your office has Wi-Fi and your car's there, fantastic. If you're at home, make sure you're just make sure you're on Wi-Fi. Otherwise, you will not get the download. So yeah. Wi-Fi. Matter of fact, yesterday my car got a uh, software update and I got 32.2.2. And then just this afternoon when I got home, it started downloading a maps update or navigation update. Mm-hmm. And that was a big one too. It is a big so one. I'm just looking at my phone right now. Hmm. Uh, no sign of V10 yet, but but hopefully by next week, uh, if at least two of us get it, we'll be able to talk about it on the show. Oh yeah. Anyways, we got to move on here. Next question yeah, comes I'm from Dion. Somebody else. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the next question comes from Dion. He says, "I understand that the new Raven and model and model threes, the front motor is efficient. How come they do not put two of the permanent magnet motors? Is there any trade off by using two? Um, Ian, mm-hmm. are you still here? Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. I can hear you. We can't see you, but oh, yes. go ahead. Oh, yes. That's it. oh, there we go. I think my face is animated again. Yeah. Okay. What's going on there? So yeah, there's there's that's a complex subject, but just quickly, I think the um, the two reasons I can think of in the case of Model Three, the reason we have the the AC synchronous motor up front and the partial permanent magnet in back is it's a little bit the best of both worlds. For just cruising purposes, the partial permanent magnet motor is the best. It's by far the most efficient. However, when you're going to add a second motor to the mix, um, adding a part another partial permanent magnet motor is a little bit complicated because because there's a part of those magnets which is permanent. Um, you can never completely get rid of the drag. If you turn that motor off, there's there's still going to be some sort of an. It does not freewheel easily. Freewheel exactly. That that magnet's still going to be dragging on the rotor, and it's going to cause the car to slow down. With the AC synchronous motor, the magnets are powered by electricity. So if you cut the power to that motor, it completely goes dead. It just glides. It just spins. So that means in the dual motor mode, if you shut off the front motor and use just the rear, there's no extra drag from the front motor. If you have um, both permanent magnet motors, then you have to run both of them all the time. Now, sure, it's it's very they're both very efficient motors, but somebody has to do the calculation on this and assume based on the weight of the car, the size of the motors, everything else, overall, the best efficiency is achieved by having one of each type. I, I kind of think that's what's going on. The other thing that, that to consider, though, and particularly for the performance car, is that the AC synchronous motor has uh, more powerful regen capabilities, particularly at very low speeds. Like you'll notice anybody's got a rear-wheel drive uh, Model 3 with just the permanent uh, motor in back notices under about 20 miles an hour, the regen kind of just starts to disappear, right? It gets very weak. Whereas the AC- on my car. What? Because you got a performance car and you got an AC synchronous motor up front. Put it in track mode, baby. Woo! Does that thing regen? I mean, you can you can haul off the pedal and wham! Like your nose is going, you know, into the windshield. It's fantastic. That's that's all thanks to the AC motor. The the permanent motor magnet bag is not doing that for you. That's the AC motor up front that can regen that hard. So the regen capabilities I, I particularly love because for when you're on the track or on snow or rallying or whatever, you can so whip the car around just by dropping the accelerator and having that powerful regen up front. Yep. 
I would agree with you. All right, next question comes from Chris. He says, can a Tesla receive software updates while being driven if the car is connected to a Wi-Fi hotspot? The answer is no. No. No, he cannot. Um, today, I was uh, I tethered my phone. I did an experiment, tethered my phone. Uh, no, it doesn't. It, it, it might stage, but it will not do the actual software update. Right. You have to be in park, can't be moving. Somebody, was it Sofian? I'm for, how's it, how do you pronounce his last name? Sofian Fraval? Yeah. Fraval? He was on Twitter today, and he was saying something about the fact that if you initiated a reboot while the car was um, on the road, that might actually trigger the update while you're driving, or at least download it. I don't know. Uh, it will not update. I, I can't imagine. No, it won't update. no, but it would the, download. Yeah, there's a possibility it, it may still stage. Receive the update, not necessarily implement it, but receive it. Like I know from home, when I was getting the um, the navigation update today, it was about well, I don't know fifty percent done, and then we went for a drive, and it basically said, "Please connect to Wi-Fi to finish the update." So I know mm -hmm. it will not actually. I mean, if it's staged on the car and you drive, you cannot initiate an update. Period. Uh, not to say that it can't download, but it, you know. Anyways. Um, moving along here. Next question comes from Ralph. He says, uh, do you think old owners of 60, 75 D and regular 75s in the future will be able to upgrade the battery pack and also be able to upgrade the motors? Um, I would say, right I would say yes to the former, maybe someday, but the motors, eh, probably not. Yeah. Um, there have been some limited cases of people being able to upgrade their battery packs. Uh, John Dixon, for example, who's the president of the Tesla owners, uh, Club of Ontario, he bought a signature edition uh, Model X, and it was a 90D with Ludacris, and he managed to get a battery upgrade to a 100D with Ludacris. That car is a unicorn, let me tell you. And uh, by the way, if anybody's interested, it's for sale. So, yeah, signature red Model X P100D Ludacris, total unicorn. Only one that I know of in existence. So beautiful car if anybody's interested. Uh, get in touch with me. I'll put you in touch with John. <laughs> he also has a uh, performance Model 3 for sale. So if anybody wants one of those. Um, he sold it already. Oh, oh, did he? Oh, good for oh, him. God. I have to talk to him and see he if he did. Is that what's going on here? Is he, is he switching? <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, think the, I think the battery conversation is a good question really quickly just because every every vehicle on the road nowadays is under warranty. Um, so I think the, the great thing is when the warranties expire, then what happens? That's then, where yeah. we're really going to start seeing when, it, when what, because I've had, I've had people when I was around Tesla's, they go, so how much does it cost to replace the battery pack? Uh, right now it's zero because they're under warranty. Like I don't, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird question people ask. Cause I've been telling them like, if, it's like asking what your, um, house would sell for five years from now. Like we don't know what the market dictates. I mean, the battery technology could be so improved and so much less expensive. It could be even cheaper than you think. Exactly. exactly. So it doesn't matter right now. It only matters in the future. Right. And uh, we already have data that the batteries are, are lasting a lot longer than we anticipated. So million course, miles coming out. Million miles is coming soon with some new chemistry and some new processes. Next year, we should see a million mile battery. So literally forget about it. All right. That's the end of the questions. So uh, since, Anise, you're the guest tonight, I'm going to let you go first and tell uh, anybody. You can plug whatever the heck you want. Tell people where they can find you, chat with you. Whatever. The Aww, floor is yours here. Thank you. So I'm on Twitter at Annie underscore say. <laughs> I'm that's, on that's Instagram it. at Anise Sharifi and my blog, which is where I'm doing a lot of my writing and just pushing a lot of EV content. If you're interested, please follow along is I am Anise.com. 
Thanks. Excellent. Links to all of her stuff will be in the podcast in the show description. So if you don't want to write it down, just click the links. It takes her straight to her stuff. And she's going to let you follow. I'm just going to say she her her blogs are. If you want to learn stuff about cars, I'm telling you, learn something new every time. And the great thing too is she does so much work on every other car that she can get herself into. And she, <laughs> if someone can photograph her jumping up in the air. It's 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 a, it's, a done, it's a done deal. So that's awesome. Thanks. She actually taught me how to use Instagram yesterday, so I'm thankful for that. Hey, we should just call it Instagrampa. Uh, Eric, since you're on the screen, I'll let you go next. Where can people, where can people find you if they want to chat with you? You guys can find me on Twitter. Uh, the handle is ECFix. That is ECFIX. Now that I've eclipsed a thousand followers, my thanks to all the new followers. I hope my content is not stupid. Uh, um, I will on occasion do periscopes, some live content, uh, recovering, dis- recovering, discovering news stories and kind of focusing on stuff when these guys are not around us. Um, but yeah, you can find me there on Twitter. Um, I'm really active there. I'm not in the forums much. Um, but if you guys want to find me in the forum too, I am EC does it, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Twitter, EC fix. Awesome. Do it. Check it out. All right, Ian, last but not least, you're, you're it. What's up? All right. Well, on Twitter, uh, at Ian Pavelko. Um, the, um, the little handle is Matt Hungarian, but the actual address is at Ian Pavelko. On the Tesla Owners Online Forum, the actual um, name is Mad Space Hungarian, so you can find me there. Um, you know, be sure to send me a private message, or you can just hit me up, call me up. Uh, like I say uh, to people all the time, it's like Beetlejuice. You know, you might have to ping me three times in a row to make sure that I appear. <laughs> Just just throw my handle in any of the threads and I will be glad to uh, appear when I can to answer any questions that you have. And uh, finally, if you're looking for some EV wear, there is the Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear line, which is on teespring.com, T-E-E spring, all one word, dot com. And uh, that includes the classic e, uh, Evolve shirt, uh, the Weapons of Mass Adoption shirt, and the new, yes, it's there now, Model Y Evolve shirt. You can get them all there. And, um, of course, um, portions of the proceeds of all those go to uh, LAVEC, the Association de Véhicules Électriques de Québec, uh, Electromobility Canada, and Plug-in America, who, thanks to all of the lovely donations that you have enabled me to give them, sent me this lovely Drive Electric Week shirt, which is a very bright color, I must say. My girlfriend looked at it and was like, wow, that can be seen from space. Um, (laughs) You're like like a human highlighter. (laughs) That's what I feel like. No doubt. Well, thanks for that, Ian. Uh, as usual, links uh, for all of his stuff will be down in the podcast and the uh, video description. I guess oh, I I'm last. You. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm one gonna hold you one. I was just gonna say, in the event that any of you are listening to this tonight on audio, or you catch it first thing in the morning, and yes. you happen to be going downtown Montreal tomorrow for the climate march, we are so blessed. Ooh. We have Greta Thunberg is going to be here <gasps> live in Montreal tomorrow for the climate strike climate march we're expecting something like 300,000 people in the streets i will be down there i'm going to be arriving by a metro and i'm going to be trying to get towards the um the main rally point somewhere between a quarter to 11 and 11 o'clock so reach out to me on twitter if you're going down there i'd love to meet up with any of our followers or any of the friends out there please by by any means uh, hit me up on the twitter and we'll see if we can find each other wear that shirt so we can find you i'm <laughs> going to the toronto one uh, I'll be downtown Toronto going for the, um, the the strike downtown. But I just wanted to take a second to say thanks to Trevor for having me on, you guys. Um, and thanks for all the info and all the content that you guys are always uh, putting out there. It's great. Oh, thank you. It's our pleasure. 
thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, we All right, I guess, that, I guess I'm last. Um, my Twitter handle is Model3Owners. You can check it out there. Yes, I'm officially a Model3Owner, but we'll talk about that next week. I, get, I, I need a few more days with the car to really let it all sink in. Uh, check out uh, the forum at Tesla Owners Online. My handle's Trev P there, and I want to say thank you to our sponsors, the great guys at Doolaban Insurance, Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings, and last but not least, Evanex. Great great suppliers of all things Tesla. Anyways, that's it for this week. Uh, we will catch you next week. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll see you guys in the next one. See ya. Bye. Au revoir. <laughs> that's Eric for you. There's only one. Sorry, America. <laughs> <laughs>